Hey, welcome to New Hope Church. So glad you are here. If you are a guest, my name is Benji, and we are really, really thrilled you are here at any of our campus locations. The campus pastors and myself would love to meet you afterwards. Speaking of the campuses, on the count of three, can you help me welcome them all? One, two, three. I'm talking about Kenya, Columbia Campus, Sanford, Garner, Wake Forest, Hillsboro, Durham Campus. So so glad you are here, and you've probably already heard about it, so I'll just mention it ever so briefly, um, but we want to invite all of you to the Durham campus for the night of worship coming up in March. It's going to be awesome. Uh, some of you have asked about the marriage conference that we had three weeks ago, and were those messages going to be online, and we have now put those online for you. It's on our YouTube channel. I think you might see that, yes. Let me just encourage you to go ahead and subscribe. The YouTube channel has been growing like crazy. All of our messages are always there, but now all of the messages from the conference on Friday and Saturday night are also there. Excited about that. Wanna let you know where I am going in the next few weeks. Um, starting a brand new series, uh, it's going to take us all the way up to uh, Easter. It's called Old Cross, New Me. All right. Everybody say Old Cross. Old cross. Everybody say New me. new me. Now put it together. Old Cross, New Me. And here's what I want to invite you to do. Go ahead and write this down. Go study, if you will. Just start reading Romans 5 through 8. Romans 5 through 8, we are going to hunker down on those chapters. I would dare say that there, there, there's no uh, scripture more powerful and more power-packed, if you will, theologically than Romans 5 through 8. And we're going to spend these weeks in those chapters looking at the old cross, new me. It'll go right through Holy Week, right through uh, uh, Friday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. It's going to be an incredible series. But today, we get to wrap up the XO Marriage Series, the final installment, and our speaker needs no introduction. He's, he's our teaching pastor here. You've already seen him walking around. Give it up for Pastor Mike Bro. Hey, what's up, everybody? Great to see you all. Man, I've, uh, I have missed you. We've had, uh, we've had a lot of stuff going on in, in Southern California, and and uh, it's always a treat for me to, to come to North Carolina, so I'm excited to get to, get to be back with you all this weekend. Uh, my name is Mike, in case we never met before, and, uh, and, and I, I show up here from time to time. I'm kind of like that, you know, that old stray dog you fed one time, he just keeps coming back, <laughs> back on the porch, so uh, that's, that's me. I'm really excited for this new series called Old Cross New Me, and uh, Benji's going to kick that off. Uh, and, but today, we, we're wrapping up this relationship series. And I know that it has been super helpful to uh, many of you. And uh, as we wrap it up today, I want to I wanna broaden it out just a little bit and add some things that I've been learning. Now, I'm not an expert in any way in relationships, uh, but I have been married for 42 years. So uh, I'm going to throw some stuff. I am still learning. I'm still learning. We got married when we were six, and uh, it's been a... <laughs> It's a Kentucky thing, and we're, we're cousins. Uh, just kidding. Uh, I, have, I have kept this little toy in my office for over 25 years now. This actually belonged to our youngest son, uh, Drew, 
And uh, you, you've seen this toy before, right? It's got all these shapes on the inside, and you have to find the corresponding shape on the outside to put it. Little little preschool toy. Uh, actually, uh, this was our ACT test in Kentucky, <laughs> and, and I and I failed miserably. Just kidding. But I remember when Drew was three or four, he gets so frustrated with this little toy because he wanted the shape he had in his hand to go in whatever shape he wanted it to go in. And he would try to cram that thing in there. And then you see him walk down the hall and say, Drew, where are you going? Going to get a hammer. Why, why did he come? You hear him back there banging on this thing, but so, so frustrated with this, this little toy. And I have kept it in my office over the years. Not so much to remind me of a frustrated little toddler uh, but to remind me of the millions and millions of people who are equally frustrated with life and relationships. Every, every time I see this thing sitting there on, on the shelf, it renews the passion for why I do what, what I do. Because it breaks my heart to look around our culture and see so many people searching for the, for the perfect fit, trying to, trying to cram all these square pegs in the round hole of their life in order to find satisfaction and to find love, to find security, to find purpose, to find their identity. There was this guy named Solomon who was the richest guy who ever lived. He made Warren Buffett look like, well, me. <laughs> he, had, he had every resource available to him and he used them all as he went on his search to find what, what would fill up the hole in the human heart. And he writes in his very honest journal, a little book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. You ought to read it sometime. It's in the Old Testament section. He said, I, I, said, I, said, to, my, I said to myself, I said to my heart, come now, let's just see what it is that might fill up this gaping hole. And he tries, as he puts it, everything under the sun to find that perfect fit, to see what would fill up that void in his heart. And this guy had real estate projects. He had incredible mansions and palaces and gardens and parks and waterfront properties. He got into music. He got into art. He experimented with unbridled sexual encounters. He binged on gourmet food and choice vintage wine and threw the biggest, wildest parties anybody could throw. And at the end of his life, he said, you know what I've discovered? All that's meaningless. Nothing fits. It's like, it's like chasing the wind. It's like trying to cram a square peg into a round hole. You see, deep within our hearts is a godlike shape. Solomon would later write in the book of Proverbs, he said, here's my conclusion. You know what a man, what a woman really looking for? You know what a man, you know what a woman desires? Looking for an unfailing love. Don't you sense that's true? That the thing all of us are seeking is an unfailing love that would fill up the hole in our heart? So we go on a quest, right? Looking for love. And our culture is all about love. Bookstores sag with the, with the, with the shelves, of the weight of volumes of romance novels. And Hollywood is cranking out love story after love story. And how many love songs have been sent out over the airwaves at night by Delilah? <laughs> for everybody looking for love. You know, songs like they sang, stand, won't you stand by me? I wanted to slow dance when they were singing that song, right? Or what about Ed Sheeran's, you know, I'm dancing in the dark with you between my arms. You look perfect tonight. 
John Legend's All of Me, Loves All of You. That Clinger song by Katy Perry, just because it's over doesn't mean it's really over. If I think it's over, maybe you'll be coming over again. And my all-time favorite, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. I'm thinking, you need a restraining order. Right? <laughs> but all kinds, all kinds of love songs and all kinds of romantic movies. And some are great. Uh, some are pretty cheesy. I was flipping channels the other night. And I saw it again on TNT, that movie old movie starring Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger, uh, sports agent Jerry Maguire. You remember the movie? There are three famous lines from that movie. You remember the, what, the, what they were? The most famous line was probably, show me the money, right? The second off-quoted line was uttered by Jerry's wife, Renee Zellweger, who says, you had me at hello, right? And the one that just kills me is when he gives his wife this, I'm sorry for all the pain I've caused you look, and says, you complete me. Debbie and I have been together for four decades now. She's my soulmate. She's my best friend. I would rather hang out with Debbie Bro than anybody else on the planet. I miss her a ton when I'm traveling. I can't wait till the end of the day just to be home and be with her, but make no mistake about it. She does not complete me. <laughs> and I know this is going to come as a shock to you, but I don't complete her either. You see, gang, to expect another imperfect human being to complete you, to expect any relationship to fill up that hole in your heart is setting that relationship up for failure and frustration. That expectation is both unfair and unrealistic. Because you remember what Solomon said, what a man, what a woman is really looking for is an unfailing love. To hope or expect an imperfect, fallible human being just like you to complete you is setting yourself up for huge disappointment and setting the relationship up for a long uphill struggle. I had a double whammy happen to me uh, just a couple of weeks ago now. I'm renovating a house for a friend. And one night at midnight on, on a couple of Saturday nights ago, somebody took a crowbar to the garage door deadbolt, came in and took every single tool I own like $2,000 worth of tools. And then on the next day when I'm filling out the police report, a buddy of mine texts me and says, hey, bro, I think your Facebook account's been hacked. So like a double whammy in one day. Somebody was like using my tools and posing as me. And I don't know if you ever had something like that happen to you. It, both of them made me feel a little violated. Some of you probably had like bank accounts or credit cards hacked before. I mean, identity theft is on the rise. It just feels a little creepy to think that somebody else is trying to live your life. But I see it all the time. I see people allowing other people to live their lives. I watch middle school and high school students who will do just about anything and change into whoever they need to be in order to be accepted by a certain group, a certain guy, a certain girl. Why do you think gangs flourish? Why do you think people so readily give up their bodies sexually? Why do men and women compromise their values at work? Why do we care so much about what other people think or say about us? Why do we end up in codependent patterns and relationships where we just need to be needed? It's because we're looking for unfailing love. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking for significance in our lives. I saw a tweet from Bob Goff a few weeks ago that said this, the price of acceptance 
is too high if it costs you who you are. The price of acceptance is too high if it costs you who you are. You see, we can spend our lives trying to cram the square peg of relationships with imperfect people into that round hole in our heart. In the process, it can cost us who we are. And I'm telling you, if you do that long enough, somewhere along the line, you're going to get very, very frustrated and or really, really hurt. Hasn't that been true in your experience? Haven't you found that imperfect people will eventually disappoint you? I mean, even as healthy and as good as the best relationships can be, we still aren't capable of giving each other 100% unfailing love. Imperfect people will betray you. Imperfect people will break promises. People will break vows. People will exclude you, reject you. They'll wound you, embarrass you, use you. And we've all been on both sides of that. And especially when you get stung by somebody that you were expecting to complete you, all that acceptance, all that security, all that significance that you've been craving, man, it's gone. When the unfailing love you desire bails on you or worse, even abuses you, there is this wave of bitterness that washes into that void. And now you've got all this bitterness, all this resentment rolling around the inside of you that will hack into your soul and really, really mess with your identity. I read a little book years ago that really helped me immensely with all of this, which in turn made our marriage much, much stronger. It's a little book called Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. It's one of those books you read a few pages and you gotta go back and read that again. Uh, among the hundreds of amazing things he says in the book, I, I love this. He says, if we want to truly love, we must return again and again to the great love of the great lover. If we wanna truly love each other, we must return again and again to the great love of the great lover. I, I've, I've, I've used this little illustration for years now to talk to married couples about what it means. Like imagine a triangle uh, where, where you've got God at the top and you got a husband over here and a wife over here. And, and a lot of times what, what people try to do, they try to, we're gonna grow closer together. So they try to grow closer together, but there's like, there's, there's, there's this void or something that's missing as they grow closer together. So somebody usually figures, somebody figures it out. It's usually the wife who figures it out. Oh, you know what? I think I need God in my life. So she starts climbing toward God and the husband's going, where the heck is my wife? She's not, she's not here anymore. And then eventually he'll figure it out and go, you know, maybe it is God. And then as the, as the two of you are growing closer to God individually in your own relationships, guess what happens? You start growing closer together. When you meet at the top like that, oh my goodness, that is a sweet, sweet relationship. You see, it's only, it's only when you allow God to love you and experience his unfailing love and experience his lavish mercy and his unconditional grace that you'll be able to extend the same kind of grace to, to, in mercy to that imperfect human being that you're trying to live with, especially the one you're married to. You're not looking for them any longer to complete you. You're allowing the unfailing love of Jesus Christ to do that. And when you do that, you bring a healthier, more mature, more complete person to that relationship. When you experience his love, you can move through your life knowing that in spite of what anybody else says, what they do, what they think about you, you know you're already accepted. You're already secure. You're already significant. And what God says about you is what really, really matters. So let me ask you, what's your mental picture 
of God? How do you see him? Do you see him as a God of unfailing love? Maybe you're like I used to be, and maybe you see God as this, almost, almost like used to seem like a, a sadistic teacher who just loved to get out his giant red pen and mark up my test paper. He would look at my life and go, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. You are so pathetic, bro. You are so stupid. Big X for you. Or maybe you see him as an absent father who bails on you when things get tough. Or as a demanding coach where you can never do it good enough, fast enough, big enough. I used to think God was so mad at me, disappointed me, even disgusted by me. And as you might guess, that invited all kinds of negative self-talk and insecurity into my life. I saw myself the way I thought God saw me. That's why I agree with A.W. Tozer, who famously said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You know, I've said it before, but Jesus came to show us what God is really like. When I got to the point in my life where I started looking at the life of Jesus, I finally got an accurate picture of God as this perfect father who loved me with an inclusive, reckless, fierce, sacrificial, unfailing love. And it changed everything about my marriage, everything about my parenting, everything about my friendships, all my relationships, my life. I, lo I love the way a, a guy named Paul put it when he wrote about Jesus in the book of Colossians. He said this, all things were created by him and for him. Talking about Jesus. All things were created by him and for him. If all things, including you and me, were made by him, then we're not a random accident, but a wonderfully handcrafted, priceless creation. And not only have we been made by him, but we've been made for him. Created for intimate connection with him. And since we were both made by God and for God, our, song, our souls long to connect. There's this pull that's been hardwired within each of us to search for him. And you can't fight that pull. You can pretend it doesn't exist. But you're just kidding yourself. It is there. We are constantly drawn to this love relationship with our creator. You see, deep within our hearts is a God-like shape. A perfect fit for Jesus in every way. No heart is too big, no heart is too small. Jesus is the answer. He fits them all. Remember what Solomon said? What a man, what a woman desires is an unfailing love. I looked through the Bible and I found that little phrase, unfailing love, appears over 40 times in Scripture. And every time, every time it is used, it is used in connection with the only one who can actually give it. I want to show you just four or five of them. You can jot them down or you can take a screenshot with your phone. But I want you to remember these and maybe go home and, and look them up. Psalm 32.10. Unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Psalm 33.5. The Lord, the Lord loves righteousness and justice and the earth is full of his what? Unfailing love. Psalm 36, verse 7, how priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings, the shadow of your embrace. Psalm 130, verse 7, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love and an overflowing supply of salvation. Psalm 17, verse 7 and 8, show me 
your unfailing love in wonderful ways. You save with your strength those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as the apple of your eye. We all want to be the apple of someone's eye. Hide me in the shadow of your embrace. In other words, wrap your strong, loving arms around me. We all long, we long to be loved with a love, love like that. We all long for, for unfailing love, one that is constant, one that is dependable, one that is unconditional, one that is perfect. Now, I know some of you are saying right now, oh, yeah, 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 I hear you, bro, talking about this Jesus thing and all that. But I tell you, man, I need somebody. I need somebody in my life. I've been sitting through this series, and it's been really, really hard to hear this stuff. I need somebody in my life. You don't know how lonely I am since my spouse walked out on me. You don't know how lonely I am since he or she broke up with me. Now, gang, I'm certainly not minimizing the value of relationships with each other. God wired us up for that as well. But I want you to listen. What God says to anybody who might be feeling lonely and feeling like something's been ripped from your life, please hear God speaking this to you. Isaiah 54, do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. And some of you might be saying, well, yeah, gee, I hear you, but you're, you're not in a family like mine. My parents, they don't give a rip about me. In fact, they've even, they've even said before that they wished that I'd never showed up. Or, or you might be saying, I have some pretty deep father wounds. I got some pretty deep mother wounds. Or maybe things just blew up at your home and you don't see eye to eye anymore. And there's constant tension and a pretty stressful split going on. Or perhaps you live alone in this city or on a college campus or a lonely apartment and any sense of family feels kind of distant. Maybe you've been separated from your extended family for a long, long time. Well, here's a word for you. This, this is my wife's favorite verse, Psalm 68, five. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets, I love this, God sets the lonely in families. Nevaeh was baptized in our pool three months ago. And a group of ladies surrounded her. They were her mentors, my wife being one of them. Uh, she was living in a home for girls who had experienced abuse and or sex trafficking. And uh, these women adopted her into their family. And they coached her and loved her and spent time with her. And uh, I watched her go down in the water in our backyard. And I listened to all the cheers go up and all the tears flowing. And I thought, he really does, man. God sets the lonely in families. He really does. He sets the captive free because that's just what unfailing love is capable of. So gang, I'm just telling you as a guy who has been married now for 42 years, letting God love you and learning to love him is the strongest thing you can do for your marriage and all of your relationships. I think that's why this guy named Paul, who was chosen by Jesus to spread the good news of God's unfailing love all over the known world, he ends up writing like most of the New Testament of the Bible, but he prays one of the most fervent prayers in the whole Bible for this gathering of, of brand new Jesus followers in a city called Ephesus. And it's a prayer you really ought to memorize. It comes from Ephesians chapter three. I want you to look what he writes there. He says, I just pray 
that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand or to grasp, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's so great, you'll never fully understand it. Then, then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I did a little word study on that word used there for grasp or to understand. It comes from the ancient Greek word for rust. It literally means, when he uses the word grass, it literally means to eat all the way through. So you see what Paul's saying here? My prayer is that you wouldn't just show up at New Hope and learn some things about the love of God, but that you would experience it in the core of your being, that you would let the high, wide, deep, long love of God eat all the way through you that you would really grasp what it means to be loved with a 100% unfailing love, that you would be absolutely captured and completed by that. Our youngest son, Drew, is a really, really smart guy. He's the guy that had this little ball when he was a kid. Uh, he's got a photographic memory. I mean, just he's that guy that makes you sick. You know, he, before he takes a test, he can look at his notes for about five minutes and go in and ace the test. It's just the way it is. He's a 4.0 kind of guy. But ask Drew these days if he has a grasp of chemistry. Ask him if he has a firm grasp on calculus. Ask him if he has a firm grasp on ancient world civilizations 201. Now, he got A's in all those classes. But he doesn't grasp it because he didn't really want to grasp it. He just wanted to ace the test. And I know all kinds of people who look at the Bible like that. They just kind of want to know what's going to be on the test and scan through it. And many of those people have been going to church for years. I was one of them. You paint on a smile, you show up for church and kind of do the religious thing, you know, sing a few songs, give a few bucks, listen to a few sermons, but you never, ever really grasp the love of God for you. And you never really get to know him. And as a result, you never really get to know yourself. And as a result, your identity gets all screwed up. And you go through your life looking for acceptance and security and significance that's already yours. And then you start to set unfair expectations on imperfect people and wreck the relationships that don't give you those things. And that's why Paul prayed this prayer. It's not found in your spouse. It's not found in your parents. It's not found in your kids. It's not found in your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It's not found in other people. He says, I pray that you'll be able to grasp how high, how wide, how deep, how long the love of God is for you. Let the unfailing love of God capture your heart. Let it eat all the way through you. For when you do, you will discover your true identity and you will walk in the confidence that you are a priceless, much-loved, treasured child of the Most High God, one that is loved with a radical, unfailing love, and you will bring that person to every single relationship. I've, uh, I've kept this list for years. Our friends of Freedom in Christ Ministries compiled the list. Some of you have probably seen it, but let me just give it to you and, and invite you to grab a copy of God's Word and read these scriptures for yourself. Again, you might want to take a screenshot with your phone or jot them down. 
so you can read them and reread them and memorize them and let the truth of what God says about you, let it eat all the way through you. Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I'm completely accepted. God says that I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord. I'm one in spirit with him. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I've been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I'm totally secure. God says that I'm free forever from condemnation. I'm assured that God works all things together for my good. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I'm confident that God will finish the good work he started within me. I'm a citizen of heaven already. I'm hidden with Christ. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-discipline. I can find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Because I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, I'm deeply significant. God says, I am the salt of the earth, the light of the world. I'm a branch of the true vine, Jesus, the channel of his life. I've been chosen to bear fruit. I'm a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I'm a temple of God who lives in me. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I'm God's co-worker. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Accept it, secure, significant. That's what he says. The one who loves us with an unfailing love. Isn't that what you're looking for? And I know I was. And with all due respect to Jerry Maguire, Jesus Christ completes me. He's the God of unfailing love, and he wants to complete you too. You see, deep within our hearts is a God-like shape, a perfect fit for Jesus in every way. No heart is too big, no heart is too small. Jesus is the answer. He fits them all. Let's, let's pray about this. God, I want to thank you for what you've been teaching us in, in recent weeks, and I'm so grateful for all the practical principles that we've learned and tools for communication and all kinds of different things like that. And Father, I, it's my deepest prayer today that all of us would return again and again to the great love of the great lover. That we would primarily Stay connected to you and to let your unfailing love eat all the way through us so that we can just bring better people to our marriages, to all of our relationships. God, thank you for loving us that way. Thank you for being the only one capable of doing it. We celebrate you in this place today. We ask for your help. Father, we resolve today that we will, we will 
climb closer and closer to you, regardless of what the other persons in our lives do, so that we can, we can just bring more complete people to every single relationship. Thank you, Father, for what you're teaching us. And I pray your Holy Spirit will remind us, even as we leave this place today, all day tomorrow, the next day, the next day, to stay in love with you and let you fill us up. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, we're going to wrap this up today by singing a song. Yeah, God. We're going to, we just kind of want to seal, seal this moment together. Uh, you know, we, we've been singing love songs every week. We're going to sing a love song right now. Uh, back to God about his amazing love and the way he fills us up. So let's stand up together, all of our campuses, and let's just sing this out to God.